This is an ABC podcast. Fierce Girl Power. This is the story of the girl who helped others see, Gabby Hollows. Read by dancer Ella Havelka. I spy with my little eye something beginning with O. Ophthalmoscope. Good work, Gabby. Now, I spy with my little eye something beginning with P. Veropter. You got it. And I spy with my little eye something beginning with R. Retinoscope. It may not sound like an ordinary game of I Spy, but Gabriel Beryl O'Sullivan wasn't an ordinary kid. Cross-eyed, her parents called it. Her eyes pointed inwards, as though she was constantly looking at her nose. We better get you to the doctor, Gabby, they said. A special doctor for eyes. That doctor was called an ophthalmologist. And when Gabby opened the door to his surgery, it was like stepping into Wonderland. Every piece of equipment intrigued her. From the ophthalmoscopes and the retinoscopes, those are instruments with lights on the end, used to look inside the eyes, to the phoropter. That's a contraption, kind of like a space helmet, used to test different lenses on the eyes. The ophthalmologist used the phoropter to find some glasses to help Gabby's condition, but she didn't take great care of them. Gabby, have you been wrestling with a cat? The doctor joked. I've never seen such scratch spectacles. But the specs were the least of her worries. Gabby also needed a bunch of operations on her eyes. Gabby, can you look straight ahead with both eyes? The doctor asked. I think so. The surgery's worked. Gabby wasn't cross-eyed anymore. But she wasn't just looking at the things around her with fresh eyes. She was picturing her future. She decided she wanted to be just like her ophthalmologist. A helper and a healer. I spy with my little eye something beginning with D. Desert! Gabby was in a convoy of four-wheel drives, hurtling through the dust in the middle of Australia. Aboriginal people peered out from their wiltjes. Shelters made from scrap canvas, iron and wood. White people didn't visit often. But Gabby was there with a team of health workers to examine the locals' eyes. She was an orthoptist, someone who specialises in finding and treating eye disorders and diseases. An ophthalmologist named Fred Hollows had asked her specifically to join him on the mission. I need your help, Gabby, he said. There's a big problem in the outback. Fred had been visiting remote Aboriginal communities where he discovered all sorts of problems with the locals' eyes. The one that worried him the most was a disease called trachoma. It's extremely painful and can lead to blindness. In some Aboriginal communities, almost every single person had signs of trachoma. Lots of them had already lost their sight. The problem had gone unnoticed because there were hardly any doctors in the outback. Plus, at the time, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people weren't often welcome in some doctor's surgeries. And they were pushed to the back of the queue when they visited hospitals. It's horrific, Gabby, Fred said. I've never seen anything like it. Will you help me fix it? Gabby didn't think twice. She was as angry as Fred. She couldn't believe entire communities had been ignored. She had to help. 
When they pulled into a camp, Gabby set up a makeshift clinic where they could examine the locals' eyes. More than 200 people lined up. It's so good to see you, Gabby said to the first woman in line. I'm going to check your eyes. Look over here. Now look over there. It's so good to see you, Gabby said to the 80th man in line. I'm going to check your eyes. Look over here. Now look over there. And on and on she went, making sure she was just as friendly to the first person in line as she was to the 100th person in line and the 200th person in line. But it wasn't easy. Gabby's own eyes had been opened in the outback. Before she arrived, Gabby had no idea how hard life was in Aboriginal camps with no running water, no electricity and so many other necessities she'd taken for granted in the city. She also felt a bit silly when she couldn't communicate properly with lots of the locals. They still spoke their Indigenous language and Gabby could only speak English. At the end of her first day, Gabby slumped against one of the four-wheel drives. She put her face in her hands and cried. Are you okay, Gabby? Fred asked. She wiped her tears away. I am, she said. And I'm more determined than ever to help you fix this. Fred and Gabby vowed to wipe out trachoma in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. They spent three solid years driving from camp to camp with barely a day off. They tested more than 100,000 people in 465 communities. They performed 1,000 operations, treated 27,000 people for trachoma and delivered 10,000 pairs of glasses to people who needed them. They were also in love. I spy with my little eye something beginning with W. Wedding! Gabby O'Sullivan became Gabby Hollows. She didn't want a boring old wedding cake covered in marzipan and flowers. Instead, it was baked in the shape of a map with icing outlines that showed all the Indigenous communities Gabby and Fred had visited together. But their vision was growing beyond Australia. They knew people in other countries also had eye problems, eye problems that could easily be fixed. In fact, in the poorest countries, four out of every five blind people didn't need to be. They had diseases that could be treated and prevented with medicine or a simple operation. Every eye is an eye, Fred said. When you're doing surgery in a poor community, it's just as important as if you're doing eye surgery on the Prime Minister or a King. Gabby felt the same way. So they set their sights on countries like Nepal, Thailand, Vietnam, Bangladesh and Myanmar. They jetted all over the world, often with their children in tow, testing thousands of eyes just like they did in Australia. But they couldn't do it all themselves. They needed to teach the teachers. If they could train local health workers to do the tests and the operations, they wouldn't need people like Gabby and Fred flying in to fix things for them. But they also needed cheap equipment. Fred inserted a special type of lens into the eyes of blind people to help them see. They cost about $150, but they'd only be about $8 if they could be made locally. And then they came up with an awesome idea. We'll build lens factories in these poor countries. We'll teach them to make the lenses themselves. 
Nothing would stand in Gabby and Fred's way. Or so they thought. I spy with my little eye, something beginning with H. Hospital. Fred was sick. Extremely sick. It was cancer. He didn't have long to live. Gabby was devastated. She didn't want to lose her husband. She didn't want her kids to lose their dad. She didn't want the work they'd been doing to help people see again to stop. Gabby and Fred sat around their dinner table with some of their closest friends to make a plan. I want to keep Fred's vision alive, Gabby said. We've come too far to give up now. Everyone agreed. They set up the Fred Hollows Foundation, promising to work towards eliminating preventable blindness across the globe. Six months later, Fred passed away. I spy with my little eye something beginning with F. Factories! One year after Fred died, Gabby had made one of their biggest dreams come true. Lens factories opened in Asia and the Horn of Africa. Gabby shed bittersweet tears. The saddest thing for Fred is he was buried before he ever got to hold an intraocular lens that the labs produced, she said. That would have been his triumph. Today, more than four million lenses have been made by the factories, yet they wouldn't have opened without Gabby. After Fred was gone, some people feared the communities they'd helped would be forgotten. Gabby made it her mission to prove she could continue and even expand their work. I'm not stepping into Fred's shoes, she said. I walk in my own boots. She flew to Vietnam, where Fred had made a pact with the local doctors to show them a new type of eye surgery. Fred had promised to train 300 of them. Gabby made it more than 400. But the best part was meeting the people whose vision had been restored by the newly trained surgeons. Gabby visited a village where a tiny grandma named Sal had just returned from hospital. She'd been blind, but the day after her surgery, her bandages were ready to come off. Are you ready, Sal? Gabby asked. The bandages were gently peeled back from Sal's eyes, and Sal blinked. Blink, blink. Blink, blink. An enormous smile swept across Sal's face. She jumped for joy, wide-eyed, soaking in everything. Her grandchildren, her pet chickens, Gabby. It's magic, Gabby laughed. Sal is one of more than two and a half million people who have had their sight restored thanks to the Fred Hollows Foundation. And thanks to Gabby, the foundation now works in more than 25 countries. We don't care about boundaries. We go wherever the blind people are. Gabby says. But it's the desert that will always have the most special place in Gabby's heart. Fred was laid to rest in Burke, where the red dirt and mulga trees mark the gateway to the Australian outback. Instead of a boring old headstone, Fred's buried beneath a polished sculpture shaped like a lens made in the factories he dreamed about. Fifteen years after he died... People came from all over the world to a memorial at Fred's graveside. There were politicians, Indigenous elders, family, friends, even a Vietnamese man who could see thanks to a meeting with Fred. It's so good to see you, Gabby said to the first guest. 
it's so good to see you, Gabby said to the 50th guest. And on and on she went, making sure she was just as friendly to the politicians as she was to the local kids. Today, there are still Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people with trachoma. And there are still millions of people who are blind but shouldn't be. And until that's fixed, Gabby will continue to work, not just to keep Fred's vision alive, but to make the whole world see. Every eye is an eye. What an amazing life Gabby has led, making such a difference to so many people. Personally, I feel very inspired by Gabby's story and by all the obstacles that she had to overcome to make Fred's dream come alive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fierce Girls. I'm Ella Havelka, a Wiradjuri woman and a dancer with the Australian Ballet. You can hear more stories of fierce girls on the podcast, like this one about Australia's first female Prime Minister, Julia Gillard. Gillard! Fountains of soap suds were pouring out of every crevice of the washing machine. Sorry, miss, Julia said to her teacher. It must be broken. She was fibbing. Julia and her friends had deliberately filled the machine with an entire packet of detergent. None of them understood why only girls at the school had to learn cooking, cleaning and sewing. They thought girls should be able to do whatever they wanted. You'll need it one day, the teachers reasoned, when you become a mum. But Julia never wanted to become a mum. She thought women should be able to choose if they wanted to be a mum or not or have a career or not, or do both. What Julia did want was to become the boss of the country. Julia Eileen Gillard was the first woman to become Prime Minister of Australia. It wasn't easy. Her opponents teased her about her red hair, her clothes, the fact she had no kids. But Julia took it in her stride. She knew she was paving the way for others. She was proving girls could do whatever they wanted. What I am absolutely confident of is it will be easier for the next woman and the woman after that and the woman after that, and I'm proud of that. To hear more awesome episodes of the Fierce Girls podcast, go to the ABC Listen app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Stay fierce! Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women. The executive producer is Justine Kelly. It's produced by Rebecca Armstrong, with a special thanks to Rachel Fountain. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Redden is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios 